Welcome back in listeners to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very exciting episode for you today. Joining us are two very young artists who've got a great show uh, coming out soon called Here I Am. We have the writer, director, and performer, Samantha Roberts, as well as the writer, music director, and orchestrator, Christian uh, Cantrell. Uh, They're talking to us, like I said, about their new show, Here I Am, as well as their winter gala, which is Monday, December 12th at 6 p.m. at Loft 39. Samantha, Christian, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you for having us. So exciting. I am so incredibly overjoyed to talk to you about this new show, Here I Am. Uh, We've been having a back and forth uh, on Instagram. Um, and both of you have been just so busy and performing here, there, everywhere. And so exciting to see all the success that has been coming to you. Um, but now we've got this show, Here I Am, this full-fledged show. Why don't um, you all tell us a little bit about that show? Yeah, absolutely. So Here I Am um, is about relationships in an age of social media dependency, um, especially women's relationships with other people in their lives and with social media, um, which we felt was something that doesn't get talked about enough because there is so much pressure put on people our age that have to accept everything surrounding them and accept the pressure. So Here I Am is really about that. And it's told through a modern love story um, with just some new twists, you know, and the social media is really kind of both the villain and the savior, because I don't think you can really justify social media as being bad or good. So that's really the the gist of the show. Interesting. Oh, I like that. Now, Christian, you're also a writer on the show. So how did you come up with the idea of the show? So the idea of the show, it's actually pretty interesting. So when we first started writing the show, We actually wrote um, these two songs. We were doing a concert of our works together um, and we wanted to write, I think we wrote four original songs for that concert. um, And one of the songs was called Here I Am. Um, And really the only idea behind it was that we were like, oh, let's just do this ballad. Like, let's just do this nice standalone ballad. and typically when we work, um, I'm do the music and then I'll send it to Sammy and then she'll do a lyric and then we'll kind of pass it back and forth like that. Um, and she ended up writing the lyrics for what is now the title song of the show, Here I Am. Um, and then I had written this other song in that show called Down that was this sort of very different from Here I Am. It's this minor tango groove uh, type song. And while we were doing that concert, um, we kind of thought about those two songs and we were like, there might be a connection here for the context of a full show. Mm. Um, And so we kind of thought about those two songs. And then Sammy came to me and was like, I think these two songs go together in, in a show centering around someone. And for me, I try to write protagonists that are women or people of color, because that's very important to me to put those bodies, those voices Mm -hmm. on stage in leading roles. 
because we need to make space for those type of people, those type of stories to be told. Um, So I thought about this woman singing both of these songs. We both thought about who this woman could be, what her story could be. And from there, we had a brainstorming session uh, and we sort of mapped out a show that was originally one act. And then eventually it became two acts and became a full two act book musical from there. Yeah. And um, actually, funny enough, when Christian first came up with the theme of down, that was the first song that I heard Christian come up with. And we were just sitting in my apartment and I said, play it again, play it again. And I just started singing over it. And I was like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, that's going to be the standalone. And I wasn't supposed to sing that song in the concert. And then the person that was supposed to sing it actually had to drop because they got injured. And I ended up singing both of the songs. And that's how we said, wait, do these two go together? It just completely unnaturally happened. And it just all kind of fell together. And we wrote the first draft in about two and a half months, three months. Because we were just like so into it. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is incredible. Let me uh, uh, go to Samantha with this next one. Um, what has it been like developing this show? Um, so this show has been very unique with the way we developed it because originally we talked about dividing songs. Christian doing two songs full, music and lyrics, me doing songs full, music and lyrics, and then workshopping. And it was really interesting because I ended up writing a lot of Scarlett's material, who's the protagonist. And then Christian ended up writing um, all of Spencer, who's the love interest's first act. And then I ended up writing all of the second act, which is the more dramatic, uh, tight stuff. And then we had songs that were written together. And through the process, the first time, it was very much that way. And as we've moved on, we've really developed where we kind of both have hands in every single song. And it stopped being a traditional way of writing. And it became a real collaboration because we both both have knowledge on both sides. So rather than saying, great, here's the music, you go do it. Or here's the lyrics I'm going to write, put it to music. Here, write the melody. We've been writing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I've found that the show is a lot more integrated with book, score, lyrics, everything and direction because as I'm writing the music, I have a very clear direction in mind. And then when Christian sends me things, I say, oh, here's how we're gonna direct this. So as we're going through, it's so integrated that it feels very hyper-realism is a style that we were trying to go for with some absurd moments. That sounds amazing. I I, I wanna bounce that question over to, to Christian as well because I'm, I'm intrigued uh, with you also really being the music director, the orchestrator, another writer as well. What what has it been like developing all this as well? Yeah, I would say we definitely, in terms of writing, write in a sort of non-traditional way. Um, just typically there's a sort of older generation of musical theater writers that we love, certainly, but where there was a certain format where it was like, okay, you're a composer and you're a lyricist. I'm going to send you a song and now you put the lyric on it versus we typically don't really even write songs sitting in the same room. Like I will write something at on my keyboard and notate it and then send it to her and then she'll send me lyrics back and then I'll say, okay, I think we should do this and that and the other. And then we just kind of pass it back and forth a bunch of different times. 
um, to develop it that way. Um, in terms of like music direction and orchestrations, that typically is where I kind of have more freedom to do my thing sort of with orchestration. Um, typically, I certainly do have a lot of theatrical influences. We're both extremely influenced by Stephen Sondheim, um, some of my favorites, Jason Robert Brown, Shaman and Whitman. Mm -hmm. I, I just adore them. But certainly for me, I'm also extremely influenced by pop music. That's like the main sort of genre that I listen to. I listen to a lot of Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, Harry Styles, Sarah Bareilles, just so many pop artists that I adore. And for me, a lot of my arranging and orchestrating sort of style comes from that. Um, so typically once we had certain, you know, drafts of the show down, I would sort of go towards orchestration in that way. Um, I mean, obviously we'll talk about it later, but we have done the show with orchestrations um, in place before. But in terms of development, yeah, it's been very collaborative in that way. We have a great group of actors who we've been working with who regularly will read drafts of the show. They'll come do readings. Um, we do readings periodically, like we've been doing them every few months. Um, We're doing one tonight. <laughs> yeah, we we do readings all the time just to go really locking in drafts of the show for us to get it to a place where we're we can say like yeah we're happy with this this is we accomplished what we wanted to do and you know set the show in that way um but it's been very collaborative even with our actors mm -hmm. we will often ask them what did you think about this addition to the show or what did you think about that addition to the show did you think that your character you know it doesn't make sense for her to do this does it make sense for him to say this mm -hmm. um and it's been a very collaborative process uh, in that regard. Yeah. And with that, actually, our, it was important to us that our actors felt stake in the show, especially when they're donating their time and donating their talents so frequently to be a part of this show for a show that means a lot to them as much as it does to us. Um, in specifics, um, Alexia Correa has done every show we've done since um, last November. And she's very, very much a part of For Guys Anything My show and this one. So we turn to her a lot for thoughts on her on her character on the show as a whole. So that's also why we're doing so many readings. We love for them to feel like they have a stake in the show. And I think it's really been invaluable to work that way. And that's kind of the point of Something Better Productions as a whole anyway. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, we believe that actors have as much of a stake in a show as the composer and the director and the lyricist and we want them to feel that way so we really try to make it a very welcoming environment and I think it's given us a lot more information that if we were locked inside writing this by ourselves we wouldn't get oh that's fantastic that's really really fantastic now I want to turn back to to the, the show itself um you mentioned that it's about um dating today particularly for women uh, regarding social media, is there a message or a thought that you're hoping audiences will take away when they leave? And um, Samantha, why don't I start with you on that one? Yeah, I think what's most important to me as a person who is a sexual assault survivor is very open about that. And my other musical, For Guys Saying Anything, is about unhealthy relationships. It was very important to me that we wrote a show about the gray area in life. And that nobody is perfect, but everyone is worthy of love. So 
the main character, Scarlet, she's not necessarily a good person, but I don't believe anyone in the show is a good person. We don't want people walking into the show thinking this is the protagonist, this is the antagonist. That is the big thing. Everyone has their own problems and it's how are they affecting each other and do they benefit each other in the long run? And that is definitely the thought that I would like for people to walk away with is it's not about right or wrong. It's not about yes or no. It's about the gray area because no one is 100% right all the time. And I mean, I've made many, many mistakes all the time, every day. And I think that that is what is so important about especially Scarlet, because she is a little bit of all of the characters surrounding her. And every character has their pitfalls. So I think that that would be the big thing. And we also would love for, you know, other generations that have not grown up with social media to understand where we're coming from in our lives. Because that's a there's a big disconnect, I would say, between 30-year-olds to 35-year-olds even. There's a big disconnect in that world because some of us grew up with social media as a constant pressure. Some of us had it added when we were in middle school and some have didn't have social media until college. So there's a big disconnect as to the pressures it puts on your life. And some of those aren't bad. Some of those aren't good. And that's what's important for us to talk about. Christian, I, I, I want to ask you the same question. What is the message or thought that you're hoping that um, audiences take away? Yeah, I think, you know, Sammy really got a lot of the gist with the sort of gray area that the show explores. Um, typically in a lot of musicals, you know, um, people who know musical structure will know that about 15 minutes in, your central character sits down on a park bench and they sing their song about what it is they want most in life. And we watch them try to go get that for the rest of the show. Um, and that was something that we didn't do in our show. There's no I want song, central song that early in the show. If there were to be an I want song and here I am, it wouldn't come until like 40 minutes in. The song is called Artificial Inspiration. And the main hook of that song is maybe I want that. Mm -hmm. She's not even sure if she wants it. And that was something that we wanted to sort of nuance and explore. And I think that's, that is one of the main themes in the show is people are often unsure about wanting things in life and sort of putting that on stage, exploring that gray area of life of that. Nobody is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. Cause I feel a lot in the Canada musical theater, we see characters that are like perfectly wrapped in a bow in two and a half hours. And our show ends with, there is a protagonist. It is Scarlett. She, we aren't sure how she is as a person by the end. Each audience member can make up their own decision on how they feel about her. And I think the main message that I would want audience members to walk away with, or at least think about is finding a piece of themselves in a character on stage. We have four central characters and I think each one of them may resonate with a different audience member. And I think, at least for me, I would want each audience member to find a piece of themselves on the stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with that, it's, we didn't want to end the show in a perfect bow, like you said, but there is hope. And we believe, you know, if nobody's perfect, we're living in the gray area. Ending with a happy ending perfectly is not, it's not practical. It's not how the world is. 
And yeah. especially now where there's so much gloom and doom, we didn't want to end the show in complete disarray or complete uncertainty. So we end it with something as simple as a kiss and it's hope. It's not definite. It's not final. It's a chance. So my my next question for you is, um, how long have you two been working on this show? So if you include working on the show without realizing we were working on the show, then I think Down started being written last year. No, we started writing Down in August, but we started rehearsals in October for our first concert just getting started. So we wrote down and here I am for that concert, not knowing it was going to be a full show. Right when that show Just Getting Started ended, we jumped right into my musical at the New York Theater Festival, which just kind of happened. We weren't intending to do that. Um, so while we were working on that, we had this in our head and we we're like, what if? And I think we started really thinking about this show the day we saw Diana the musical, actually. Um, I distinctly remember that. So because we were sitting in my house, we we're like, oh, we should probably leave. And we're like, five minutes, five minutes. And that's when we really came up with the finite structure. And then the first draft was done by end of January, first week of February. Oh. Mid-November of February was the first draft. So Which, a little over a year yes, is the answer. Is the answer. <laughs> and that's fast for a musical. This is very fast for a musical. Yeah, I would say we definitely work in the like, throwing a bunch of stuff down really quick and then let's revise it over a long period of time yeah type of work like we'll write I mean we'll write a song in a few days we'll write you know very quickly and then we'll kind of go okay how can we refine this how can we edit this down to be what we want it to be yeah I mean a great example of that is um you're gonna miss all this which is a different song in the show sung between Kyle and Scarlett I wrote that song on an airplane in like two hours. And then I had it all, I couldn't totally hear as I was um, typing into the lovely finale software. So I called from my flight and my boyfriend was there and he was like, hi, I was like, I need to, I need, I need 20 minutes. And I ran over and I just kept writing it and I finished it. Um, And there's other songs that we did like that, but I think it also keeps it more interesting for us. If we're having all of these ideas rather than spending you know months on one song and it getting stale and you overthinking it it gives us time to constantly be revisiting things as we're moving forward you're very much writing like a jerry herman or irving berlin where you take the book home over the weekend and then all of a sudden you come back like i got four songs here what do you think you know yeah Yeah, it's definitely how much can we throw down really quick and then go on and edit that for a certain period of time like how quickly can we get another draft out of the show type thing? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, even for our winter gala, we were writing, uh, we wrote two original holiday songs. One's a comedy and one's a ballad. I think in total, those were written in about 12 hours between the two of us. They were written really fast because that's just how oh, our brains cool. work. 
the hi- it's the hyperfixation. That's how when I wrote for guys anything, and I also write pop music. Um, I will write all of it at once. I will sit down at the piano, come up with a chord progression, and just go and sing over it and be like, "Great, that's the first draft of lyrics," and then I'll rewrite them and put them into finale. Um, I know Christian writes piano like that as well. They'll hear something and then they'll be like, great, here's the whole thing and just do it. And it's, it makes it so much more fun too. It's so cool. <laughs> well, my last question for this part of the interview um, is who do you hope have access to the show? And Christian, why don't I start with you for that one? Yeah. Um, I mean, at least speaking for myself, but probably for both of us, I hope as many people as possible have access to this show accessible theater is has really become an increasing problem with ticket prices are surging as i'm sure you know like they're getting higher and higher each day shows are you know getting more expensive to run and it can be really hard to you know produce an affordable show but a lot of this show is by and for young people um we do hope and know that there's a lot of things to take away for older generations seeing the show as well. But it's definitely a new musical for the new generation. And we definitely champion being one of those young voices of the new next generation of musical theater writers. Um, So I really do hope that a lot of young people are able to come out and see this show wherever it may end up. Um, I really, that would be one of my main hopes is that people from um, lower income backgrounds, young people, um, people of color are really able to come out and and see the show because it's really important that with us having such a diverse cast of characters and as well as diversity in our ensemble of our show, those people being able to see themselves represented on stage in front of them is very important because mm-hmm. um, I know at least for myself, I am biracial, I'm Filipino, but I'm also queer. And being able to see ourselves as minorities up on stage is a huge deal because you start to realize, oh, it's possible for me. Mm-hmm. I can I can do that. I can be that person. So people from those backgrounds coming out to see the show would, would be amazing. So well put. Chef's kiss. <laughs> I love the chef's kiss. I think um, for me especially being and this honestly it's not even like Christian really hit the nail on the head but it's not even just the people on stage it's the people working backstage that are creating the show so we have a commitment to having a diverse creative team I mean we are already a diverse creative team but as we bring people in it's important to us that we have every type of voice in the room um and then because the show at the end of the day is so universal and it being the gray area. I really would love for there to be conversations between older generations and younger generations about the pressures of social media, the pressures of being a woman and not getting to fully speak your voice and being assumed and all these different things that the show tends to cover even slightly. It talks about these problems. Um, In the show, we also talk about like the queer identity and and compared to straight identity and how there's pressure to be like each other, mm-hmm. which is such a small moment in the show, but it's important to us to make sure that every moment is heard. And because Something Better Productions is a champion for young artists of any type, I would really hope that, you know, 
if the show does end up on Broadway, that we will actively make an make a choice to have cheaper rush tickets. We'll actively make a choice to put money towards young artists getting to see the shows because those are the people that are creating the world and keeping it alive. You know, you can't only rely on older generations and tourists and people coming in bringing money. You were literally preaching our language over here. So keep, yes, keep going. I love that. Um, And you can't rely on star vehicles. That is another big thing is we have young actors in our show that we're committed to keeping in our show. It is very important to us that we are giving opportunities to young deserving actors. And we won't replace young deserving actors with star vehicles or with stunt casts at first because we don't think that it's necessary. We want the work to stand on its own. And that's kind of also like the beauty in a strange loop is they did that. They let that happen. And that was very inspiring to see a show actually get to do that. So that was very important to us is to make that a precedent. And our actors know that we fight for them. And that's just important. So as a whole, just everyone, we would like everyone to be at the theater. Everyone. Well, I want to shift gears now and let our listeners get to know both of you a little bit better now. And I want to start by asking what shows, composers, or playwrights have inspired you in the past? Uh, uh, Samantha, why don't I start with you on this one? I have a feeling I know one name that's going to automatically pop up. But... Sometime. Um, my mentor, Dr. Stephen Gross, um, was very privileged to work with Stephen Sondheim multiple times on a few different shows and he never stopped sharing glowing praises of everything that man was. And I was actually with him the day that Sondheim passed and I saw the effect that it had on him. Um, He like went in the other room and came back and we both saw that it happened. And it was beautiful, the effect that that man has on people. So even outside of being a genius composer, genius lyricist, genius dramaturg it is the way that he championed other artists that was that's very important to me and i look into that deeply um and then i love drew gasparini i think he's a great lyricist um and i i'm very big on lyrics i if you can't tell i'm very big on scansion lyrics so even when it comes to writers uh, pop writers i love ajr because they're so focused on lyrics, even though it's not my typical style of music. Um, Shaman and Whitman, which we both agree on. Um, Sankoff and Hine, I love Come From Way. I also love the way that show's directed. So Christopher Ashley's a big love. I love Michael Arden. Um, yeah, really people that are willing to work with their actors and create something together rather than copy and paste, or I'm pushing this on to you. Um, I love working on anything that's, I mean, anything that's Sondheim is top of our list at all times, but any young composers, I always just love hearing new work and I'm inspired by that pretty much daily. Oh, and Christina Perry, 
is one of my pop inspos at all times. Christian, how about you? Um, well, obviously, I'm going to say Stephen Sondheim. Uh, that's <laughs> my number one. Um, yeah. Off of the theater list, I mean, I'm inspired by so many people. But just off of the theater list, definitely uh, Stephen Schwartz. I love mm -hmm. we always talk about. I mean, it's been playing for years, but Wicked is one of the shows that we always talk about because the writing is so good that, you know, you're going to get a, a good show. It it's doesn't matter consistent. who's in. doesn't matter who's playing what part. You're going to get a great show. Um, Shaman and Whitman. Absolutely mm -hmm. love Pasek and Paul. I, I love those boys mm -hmm. to death, like truly. Um, definitely one of my big influences. Alan Menken, I love his work just yeah. so much. Um, and if you listen to my ballads, you'll hear him in there. Um, definitely Janine Tesori, huge mm -hmm. champion for female composers. Like, yep. please, can we have more? Can Absolutely. we have more female composers? Like that would be everything. Um, rising star Helen Park, I love her. More Asian composers, please. Um, that would be amazing. And then off of the pop list, um, I am a Swifty. I love Taylor Swift like so much. Um, I just her style. She has a song for every mood that you could possibly ever have. Um, love her. Sarah Bareilles. I love her to death. She's always going to be on my Spotify wrapped. I love her. Um, Adele, Alicia Keys, singer songwriters. I love, but I also love Ariana Grande, I mean, Lady Gaga, actually one of the bass lines in Sinner's Prayer by Lady Gaga was one of the bassists for Down and Here I Am. Um, just love her so much. Beyonce, of course. Beyonce, yeah. I mean, she's the queen, of course. Um, yeah, <laughs> so many. Did you see Jason Robert Brown? I'm pretty sure I did earlier. You or, did earlier, yeah. yeah. Earlier, yeah. Love him. We've had some people compare um, our stuff to him, which is just like, oh my god you know crazy um or like people will tell us oh i hear the song time influences based on how we use rhyme especially and use music to influence lyric um but if you listen to music christian can go through all of our stuff and say this is a reference to this this is a reference to this i was inspired by this i can't do that oh jonathan larson jonathan i have larson. to say that yeah have to say that there are Two, three rent references, and here I am. I'm very much on the references. Like if someone will come to me and say, is this a reference to this musical? It probably almost definitely absolutely is. And that's smart writing right there. So that when like big theater people can go and go, did you catch that little Easter egg in there where it was like a talk, you know. That and it's always, it's oh. always something so minute and uh, nuanced that Christian does. I can't do that because if I put a song in my head, I will just write that song down. I write, and then Christian will come to me and be like, oh, did you realize that this sounds like this? And I'll be like, oh. Because if I think about an influence, I will just try to copy it. And then I feel like I'm not doing myself justice. So one of the songs in the show I tried, I said, oh, I'm gonna go for a goodbye style from Catch Me If You Can. That was a terrible decision. So then I scrapped it entirely and restarted it because I kept just hearing that song in my head and it wasn't beneficial for the character. So Christian's a lot better at balancing those two things. I am I need to just go for it without thinking or else I will never write it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, something that Sondheim always said was, you can take one song, flip it backwards and have another song. Mm -hmm. 
So I think a lot for me is going, okay, I have this song. How can I change that around, sort of keep this part and then tweak it to make it into another song, which is also definitely something we do a lot. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at my email sign off, it always says anything you do, let it come from you. Then it will be new. Give us more to see. Cause that is the thing that means the world to me. Like I, I have that plastered everywhere. It is everywhere is on my website is on my email is literally everywhere. So it's always so impressive to me that Christian will come and say, Oh yeah, this is a reference. This is a reference. This is a reference, but it's so unique that I would have never known, but they can take so much influence on other things and put it into their work, which I always really like working on. Well, let me ask this. I love this question. What is your favorite part about working in theater? And Christian, why don't I start with you on that one? So I, Here I Am is my fourth musical. for me, I wrote, uh, while I was in college, I wrote the school show. Uh, um, three out of my four years, fourth year was COVID year. So for me, what I really love about writing in theater is just the scope of it. How big you can be and how you can dramatize things in ways that don't really work for other mediums. Right now we're seeing sort of a, a renaissance of the musical movie. And a lot of times those things are going from stage to screen, um, which I do enjoy. I I love a good musical movie, but. Here I Am would be a great (laughs) musical movie at Producers. It would be a great musical movie. Get us on Broadway first and then we'll move. Don't worry, I got you. (laughs) But at that same time, there are ways that things happen in theater that I just love the sheer amount of sort of songs and sung moments that you get in theater that you don't necessarily get in other mediums because on film and TV, also a great medium, you don't need to sort of musicalize these moments because you can show it through a shot of an actor. You can show it through a crossfade. You can show it through these different things. But what I love about working in theater is just how big and larger than life you can be because you know, you're playing these theaters where the person in the very back balcony has to get the scope of the show. Mm-hmm. And if they're in a theater where maybe they have impaired sight lines or they can't see something, you have to put it all into the script and score so that they can hear the story. If you close your eyes and you can't see because you're all the way in the back, you're going to get the full scope of the story based on the songs that are written, based on the book scenes that are written. And what I specifically love about theater um, is just how larger than life you can be within your writing. Even if it is a show like Here I Am that's hyper-realism, there are moments that are very big, larger than Mm -hmm. life. Um, And I also just love the broad range of genres that you can write in for theater. Um, There are pop musicals, rock musicals, golden age musicals. There are rap musicals. There are musicals with alternative sounds. Um, Here I Am obviously has a lot of social media technology influence. So something I did in the orchestrations was I use a lot of synth pad parts. I use a lot of ambient noises. Um, I use a lot of techniques that I learned from recording pop music within the context of a live musical. Um, and, And something I just love 
Um, one of the shows, obviously, that I love is Dear Evan Hansen. Um, and what I really like about that show, too, is there's a lot of tech um, electronic sort of parts within the pit. Um, and so that's definitely what I love about writing for theater versus other mediums is just the scope of what you can do is so, so broad and so, so big. And it's really fun to write for. Oh, that's, I love that. Samantha, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? So over the past year, I've had the opportunity to work on multiple Broadway shows um, in COVID compliance. And I have just never seen myself doing anything outside of the theater. Believe me, you know, you have professors and teachers tell you all the time, if you can do anything outside of the theater, you should. I don't think I think doing being in the theater is one of the most unique experiences because it's a career that is all fulfilling. There is so much that you get to give and that you get to take doing theater. I, when I was working on um, Paradise Square, actually, there were so many people in that space with so much love to give to each other. And even to their COVID person, you know, you don't always like the COVID person, but there was such a joy in being together and love. And those people are supporting every day. They're still supporting. And there is no real career in my mind outside of theater that you get to just love each other. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal is to love each other and then to share that love with the audience. I mean, Christian mentioned sharing the story with the back balcony person. That is probably the person that means that it means the most to be there to them. That's the person you play to. I, my family was very close with the original Broadway cast of Jersey Boys when I was very little. My grandparents, big fans of Jersey Boys. And I became very close with John Lloyd Young at the time when I was six. And um, I saw him um, two months ago for the first time in 16 years. And he remembered me and we cried. And it was just like a, a moment because there is something that's so unique to bonding over theater compared to any other medium. And then when Jersey Boys closed a few years ago, I was actually in New York doing auditions and I was I was that last row seat in the balcony and it meant more to me than anything was being at that show and I think there's something so beautiful to that I can't think of another world where you would give anything to be there the way that you do with theater and I like that we all care about each other you know you build a community and you become friends with the people you're working with but not just friends you become kindred Mm. soul absolutely Absolutely. I want to build on that thought. And I want to ask my favorite question to you, Samantha, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Favorite theater memory. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, When this is a cute story. So my brother has uh, special needs and he is the sweetest kid I've ever met. He asks about Christian every single day. I think have you and Jacob met what three times total? Mm-hmm. Maybe two times. And Jacob checks in on Christian every day, uh, sends me things to send Christian on Instagram, you know, just stuff like that, because Jacob's so loving. Um, when I was in high school, my mom got me tickets to go see Hamilton. And it was my birthday gift for my sweet 16, you know, didn't have a party, went to see Hamilton. <laughs> and we went the following March. And at this time, I was in just like not a very good place with school and I was um, getting bullied a lot 
and I actually ended up having to leave my high school and I transferred for my senior year. Oh, so actually this was my 17th birthday, my bad. Um, I had to transfer schools because of a lot of really bad bullying at the school I had been at for 10 years. So I was not in a great space. You know, I was a little bit upset. I was already thinking about how things were going to change. And this was before the real change happened for me. So I was in a very uncertain time. And we went to see Jersey or we went to see Hamilton, not Jersey Boys, Jersey Boys on the mind, because every other happy memory is Jersey Boys. Um, And we were sitting in row L in the orchestra. And, you know, in that theater in Richard Rogers, the seats get really cramped. My brother is very tall and with cerebral palsy, his legs get very cramped up and he gets very uncomfortable. So the house manager, um, my mom went to him and was like, hey, my son, he's really struggling, can't sit here. And he said, not to worry. And he moved us to, um, he put chairs on the end of the second row of the orchestra, just like three chairs for me, my brother and my mom, my grandparents, and my dad got left behind in the back. But we were all sitting there and we loved it. And then after um, act one, my mom went up to the house manager and thanked him and said, you know, it really means a lot. We're going to be waiting with Sammy outside at the stage door for, you know, probably an hour. And he just really struggles. And he said, find me after the show. So we didn't know what that meant. We found him after the show. And um, I was like, okay, cool. And he was with Rosie O'Donnell and said, hey, Rosie, talk to these people. And then he took us up on stage and we met the whole cast on stage. I was shaking. It was the first, I'm never starstruck, but I was starstruck because it was just a lot. Um, my dad was talking with um, with one of the actors about football because my dad just, my dad loves theater, but he didn't know how to talk to people. Or it was with Oak and he just went, so you watched, did you watch the game day? And just like did that. And um, John Rua was on as Hamilton and he was the kindest person to my brother. And he spent a long time talking to him. Everyone spent time talking to him. And it was just one of the nicest, kindest experiences that didn't have to happen. And it was just made happen because the house manager cared. And that's mm-hmm. such a small thing, but I just really, mm-hmm. that one that one has stuck with me because it's the only blurry pictures I have because I was shaking. <laughs> that is a great moment. Thank you for sharing that. That is yeah. amazing. The power of theater outside of you know a theater performance that is an, mm, yeah that is why we do it <laughs> house manager shout out christian how about you what is your favorite theater memory okay, this is easy so <laughs> freshman year of college um i went to san francisco state university in california um the school show was hair and this was the year that it was the hair 50th anniversary we were in san francisco the place where the counterculture movement started so it was really amazing. Um, my two best friends I met doing that show. Um, and just like the energy of doing that show, being able to just be this like crazy tribe of of hippies and like let loose was just so fun. Here is my favorite rock musical. Like it was just such a great time. And like the energy that we all had was amazing. And that was like the most fun I think I've ever had doing a show. Um, was doing that production of hair. I just think something about doing hair, like that show, no matter who you do it with, like you all just end up super close and like united together. Um, And it was just such a good time. Like it was 
truly one of the best times I've ever had, like on stage and everything like the rehearsal process. Yeah, there was ups and downs because it was college theater. But, you know, we, we were all like having just such a great time uh, doing that show. So that's definitely my favorite, like, yeah. theater memory that I have. I think performance wise, I would say our first 54 Below show was killer. That one, our audience was really great and nice. And that that lived with me. And then also performance when I did Sunday in the Park and we did like this reverence around George. It, it, during the finale, I cried every night. Just simple things. But yeah, Christian talks about hair a lot. <laughs> hey, it's a great show. I, I will not argue with that. I'm a big hair fan. It's so fun. <laughs> Well, are there any other productions or projects that you two have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? So we have the Winter Gala next week, obviously. Um, we're really hoping and planning for a professional workshop of Here I Am, you know, to get start heading towards the Broadway um, by early next year. So we have some things in the works, but we're always looking for people to come work with us, but that would definitely be, that's the big thing. And then I'm sure we'll have a million other shows every year. Cause I don't stop. And then I'm like, Christian, guess what? We booked this. And Christian's like another, I'm like, sorry. So I'm sure there will be multiple don't tell mamas or 54 blows all next year too. If our listeners want to get more information about here I am, or about the two of you, or they want to contact you, how can they do that? Yeah, so we have an Instagram at somethingbetter underscore productions. Um, we have a website, somethingbetterproductions.com. We have an email, somethingbetterprod at gmail. We always want to hear from people. It is a big, important part of our lives. Um, and there's tons of information about Here I Am, we are working on getting a studio cast recording of Here I Am out, hopefully by early next year. Um, also, studio cast recording of For, For Guys Anything and of Begin Again, my Poppy P. We're going to redo that and make a deluxe edition. So there's going to be a lot coming out and a lot to follow, but it all kind of starts with the Winter Gala. That's going to be the, the big restart of the year for us. Yep. People can find me um, on Instagram at Christian Writes Musicals. Mm -hmm. um, I obviously am involved with Something Better Productions, but I also do accompaniment, um, mm -hmm. any like one-off orchestrations. I can help people play through their material, um, music directing stuff, anything, please. Yeah. I'm direction for me too. I love performing, but directing is definitely what I would love to work with other people. I love working on new works. I love working on revivals, you know, new shows, anything really. It's just anything that's meaningful and is important to the world. I really enjoy doing. Um, and we're always looking to work with people. We, we both have multiple skill sets, so always willing to bring people in. We also offer coaching sessions. If you want to work with composers to go through new works or to go through um, famous musical pieces that you like for auditions, we offer that. Um, and you can contact us through our website to book that. Um, we offer pretty good rates for that as well. Amazing. Well, Samantha, <clears throat> Christian, thank you so much for taking the time to, to sit with me and, and talk. And this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I, I've loved this. I want to talk more with you because 
the the information you were giving, the process and just everything and the story. Oh my gosh, here I am. I have so many questions. I have so many theories. I want to just explore it all. So, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll we'll talk. We'll we'll fill you in. We'll see you at the gala, and you'll get That's all the right. you'll hear all the music, um, yeah. especially my favorite circles, which is really cool. So you'll hear a lot of stuff. We're doing a lot of music at the gala. Um, some stuff from For Guys Anything, some stuff from Christian's Golden Gate Dreams. We're doing um, some stuff, some pop music that we wrote, uh, original holiday songs, classic holiday songs, and then a lot of Here I Am because that's the that's the bread and butter right now. Well, my guests today have been uh, the writer, director, and performer Samantha Roberts, and the writer, music director, and orchestra uh, orchestrator Christian Contrell, uh, both who were the creators of the new show Here I Am. Um, and it, it, there's a winter gala happening that's being put on by Something Better Productions, who is presenting Here I Am. That winter gala is being done Monday, December 12th at 6 p.m., and it's happening at Loft 39. You can get tickets and more information about the Winter Gala at somethingbetterproductions.com. You can also get more information about the musical Here I Am at somethingbetterproductions.com, as well as just a wealth of information about these two amazing artists. Definitely swing by the website, get your tickets for the gala, and then just have at it. Explore this website and these two incredible people. Also check out their Instagrams, uh, something better underscore productions and Christian writes musicals. We're going to have all this information on the episode description as well as on our social media. So again, don't miss out on this winter gala, this wonderful opportunity to hear this amazing music from these two incredible artists. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Two friends from old New York town Met in a foreign land One sang the praises of If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Evan Schaefer, Jazzar, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>